Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everybody. This is Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert here on the 30th of January, 2019. It's a cold one in most of the U.S. Um, I'm guessing everybody but our Vegas members are probably below zero right now. Um, we're relatively warm compared to some of you guys, like the, the upper Midwest is just horrible. So stay inside, stay warm, and stay safe. So I'm going to jump right in. We have a guest today, um, someone who longtime members will know, but um, I'd like to give her a little introduction and then have her tell us a little bit about how she got started in Amazon and what she's doing now. So our special guest from beautiful New Jersey is Ellie Lippitz. And I met Ellie, gosh, probably seven, eight, nine years ago on another selling group. And we've actually met in person, which is wonderful. We met at the Amazon Women's Conference. And I consider Ellie one of the smartest people I know in the Amazon business. And that's why I asked her to come back. So Ellie, could you tell us a little bit about how you got started in Amazon and what you do now? You are so sweet. Actually, I have known Charlene for 11 years, maybe longer, from that other group, which seems ages ago. Um, I did somewhat of the typical, I'm going to fast forward here, typical eBay when my, my son was young, selling toys, then collectibles moved into um, Etsy clothing, then Amazon doing retail arbitrage, hated retail arbitrage, hated driving around, hated prepping, hated everything about it, and then jumped from there into wholesale, and now I'm starting to do my own branded project, products as well as wholesale. 11 years. Version. Wow. Yeah, it was 11 years because... I just know it was because it was before I was divorced, and I've been divorced more than 10 years. So, ah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and and um, there was a lot of great people in the, that other group. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a few I still keep in touch with. You by far were the one that stood out to me. So, anyway. Um, I want to jump in on one thing that I believe it was Sarah who asked in the group. I'm going to answer this question so I don't forget, and then we're going to get into the sourcing part, which is a fun part. Sarah had a um, a vendor who, when they started, they sold to anybody. Um, and they had mop pricing in place, but people don't respect it. Um, and I have a vendor with the exact same problem, and I'm working on this right now, which is kind of funny. I tried to convince the win- vendor when she started the product. She invented this product, and, and um, it's a great seller. I said, you really need to protect yourself on Amazon. Don't, don't sell to these distributors who will sell to anybody. Well, she didn't listen, and um, it got out of control. Um, I taught her about brand registry about two years ago when brand registry 2.0 came out and she had a member of her staff do it and they didn't do it right. And we know they didn't do it right because he has now left the business and she has asked me to be their exclusive Amazon seller four years later and to manage the brand on Amazon. So it took almost a month for me to straighten out the mess that the guy had made with the brand registry. Um, it ended up she gave me access to her Amazon account, um, direct login access so I could pretend I was her and deal with this mess. So we got it all straightened out. Um, but here's the issue. She has stopped selling to some of the distributors that were selling to anybody. Um, and, of course, these anybody's never heard of the map thing and um, didn't need it. But she's still having issues with people like buying this product at Michael's at half price and then putting them on Amazon mm-hmm. with those Michael's coupons. So what she started doing was um, 
putting a special code on each package, and then when a new vendor, uh, so say all of Michael's codes got a red dot somewhere. I don't know what the secret code is. She hasn't told me that, but that kind of doesn't really matter. Um, so then when a new vendor pops up on Amazon of her product, she does a test buy, and then she can tear, tell where these have come from. The ones that have no marks on them, um, she's done IP infringement cases. Um, because she can't prove where they've come from, that they're hers, and she can tell the packaging and all that. So make a long story short. Amazon, for the most part, is not going to help you protect your brand, um, Sarah. So this person has got, got a long uphill battle. Um, if they have brand registry, that's great. They need to control their supply chain is what they have to get a hold of now. So we're, we're getting the barn door, trying to get the horse in and close it after the fact. So this, this vendor has to figure out where these products are coming from, how people are getting them, and they've got to control that supply chain, especially since they wanted you to be the, um, the exclusive vendor on Amazon. So they're going to have to tell their, their distributors and, and other people in their supply chain that these cannot be sold on Amazon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's a legal gray area whether you can actually stop them, but, but – you can do a lot by getting the supply chain controlled. Um, they need to make you an administrator on the brand registry. You don't register the brand for a company. Don't ever do that if they ask. You can help them, like I've helped my, my person get it straightened out, but then they add you as an administrator. So you log in under your normal brand registry, your normal Amazon account, and manage it from there. You don't want to register the brand in your name. That's that opens you up to a lot of liability issues um, for uh, product damage. It's, it's, it's a whole kettle of fish um, you don't want to get into. Now, there is this, this thing about what's called brand gating on Amazon, and it's still a gray area. Where Amazon, will Amazon actually gate your brand or not? That's your next step to try. There's several articles um, out there I think one is from CPC Strategy website about what you can try to do to get it to register. There's no clear path to brand gating like there is to brand registry. So you just have to kind of feel your way through and play your way through. That's what I'm going to try with this brand. Um, um, and um, see, see where I can go, and I, I, will, I will keep you guys informed in the group. But... But the, the thing they need to do is get their supply chain under control, figure out where the stuff is coming from and all that. It's, it's really difficult, in my case, to stop people who are buying at Michael's from reselling it um, on eBay. You know, that's, that's a tough one to do because it is authentic stuff, and they've, they've proven it's authentic by doing a test buy, and it has their mark on it. So, um, so Felicia... Um, I, I, yeah, what I did is they gave me full access to their Amazon account. They're very brave people and they're very trusting. But I've known Kelly for over four years now, and I bought a lot of this product from, for her, you know, five-figure amounts of product. Um, she gave me full access to her Amazon account, and then I did the registration for her. And then once that was done, I then asked for me to be approved as an administrator on it still on her Amazon account. Once that was approved, and then I could do everything I needed to do for the brand under my own account, I asked her to change her password, so then I couldn't get into her account anymore. And that just protects me a little bit from any, like, saying, hmm, what's going on here, you know? She did have two-factor authorization, so when I was going in, she would know, and she'd get a text, and and then text me back the code to get in. So, so that's what I suggest you do. What I don't suggest you do is ever register someone else's brand under your Amazon account. That's what I say. Don't do that. Help them if you need to under their account and then become an administrator um, of it, but don't register it directly under your account. So um, if you have more questions about that, we'll talk about it in the group. Um, but I want to move into the sourcing part. Um, and I asked Ellie to be on today because she is one of the most creative sourcers I know. Um, Ellie is never in the box. Ellie's always somewhere, you know, <laughs> wandering around way outside the box. So I want to start with a very strange question, Ellie. What is your 
most unusual way you found a product to sell? Huh. Um, I always have my eyes open. Uh, probably the most unusual product that I found was at the National Dog Show in Philadelphia when I was there with my daughter, Erin, who shows. I met a um, wonderful young woman who sells a dog product and actually lives like two miles from me. And But I met her in Philadelphia, and I sold her product for about a year or so, and I also used her product images for, my, for merch for about six months until we found too many knockoffs. But that is probably the most unusual. If I really think about it, I probably can think of a lot of other ones also. I always have my eyes open, though. Um, no matter where I am, whether I'm at the farmer's market or I'm at a dog show, if I see a product that I think would sell or is interesting, I will whip out my phone and look it up or start talking to the vendor, especially if they're small, uh, right away. You know, so I've talked to all the vendors at the dog shows, the people who come and carry their own food and all sorts of people just to see if maybe there's any kind of relationship. And this relationship went on a couple a couple years. Um, they've moved in a different direction and so have I. But um, that would be, you know, you got to always be looking, you know, or if you're, you know, you get a gift. I just look at what people give me or you know, I've been at my farmer's market and seen interesting things. I pursued coffee once, but, and some other, you know, small items that people carry at farmer's markets. So you just have to have your eyes open and be open to going in a new direction. I totally agree. And I'm going to say something to our group member, Kim, I don't think she's here, who goes to a lot of horse shows there's it's the same kind of opportunity this wasn't like a trade show for dogs this was people selling retail and you found a product you could bring to amazon that wasn't there mm -hmm. which is yeah the the eyes open thing i do think we as a society look down too much we're looking at our phone all the time in any moment where there's we're not engaged directly with something we're looking at our phone and i'm, I'm going to say put the phone in your pocket and look around no matter where you are, look around. I agree. I, I mean, I, I, I go ahead. always am talking to people. So uh, we are open. Uh, where we live in New Jersey, last winter, Aaron and I went to, um, you know, like a, a farm. It wasn't a farmer's market, more like a holiday fair that was in Asbury Park and I met some people who have a lavender farm and we talked about bringing out some product too. You know, you just have to be open to whatever size they are. You have more knowledge than you think. I think that's also, I think a lot of us, um, especially when I'm reading the board, I, I feel like a lot of you feel that you don't have that knowledge, but you know so much more than you think you do and can share that. And that makes people start relationship building, which, you know, I always say is the most important thing. I totally agree. I think there's, from reading some posts, there's a lot of nervousness and insecurity um, with, if you're new at talking to people about wholesale, but you actually do know more than you think you know. And if you don't know it, I, I get people asking me questions and say, I don't know, but I'll find out. You know, that's the best you can do, right? And then you make sure you find out and give them the answer. Um, but, but you do know more than you do. And I think one thing that, that this ties off of is, for the most part, we are not going after the Mattels and, and you know, the, the Revlons and the big names and all the niches. You know that's done. Amazon has those locked up, and it's, it's not going to be worth one breath of your time. We, it's our job as these third-party vendors who want to sell wholesale to find the stuff that's fallen through the cracks. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. I think there's tons. There are billions of products out there that are not on Amazon. We ju you just have to be open to it. And if they are on Amazon, there other, might be other creative ways that you can make a deal with the manufacturer or create something new 
Um, I'll talk about some of my own. I'm doing a lot of my own branding now. I have a vendor that I've been selling their things, I want to say three or four years. They have a product that they sell in a 12-pack. I tried it the first six months in a 12-pack. I only sold six of that product. So we made a deal. When they put in their order for their 12-pack to have it made, I put in the eat those six items I bought them individually he put in like 200 of each of those just for me so I don't have to buy waste my money and buy the other six and now I've sent him this time I sent him an image uh, one of my own images because he keeps asking me for them and I'm gonna try selling this product with my own image so no one else will have it it'll just be me and he just did it on the end of his printing run so it didn't cost him anything. Um, he also oh. will store stuff in his warehouse for me until I need yeah. it. I think when you told me that one, that was the most awesome thing ever. I mean, that just uh, that you someone would just like store the stuff for you. I think that's like a dream, you know, because I don't know about well, you. I, I don't want a warehouse. Yep. I ask all my vendors now if I think if I have a good relationship with them, if it's something, if I place a big order, if they'll just hold it for me. I made a mistake this Q4 and had this particular vendor ship me everything that I had ordered from China, which was a year's worth. And now my garage has three pallets in it where I should be putting my car. So he oh. just got another shipment in and he's like, I know you don't have any room because we were joking about it. So he was like, just tell me what you want. Even though my warehouse is full, I will store the rest of it for you. And I give him a 25% deposit on that, so he holds it for me for the whole year. See, that's and so worth he, it. He, yeah, so worth it. Yeah, so, so, I'm, so it, it's a great relationship. So let's talk about relationships. Um, I know we have some new members who've never been to a trade show or just going to their first ones, which I'm so happy to see. Um, to me, that's the beauty of a trade show is you see the person face to face. You can talk together. You can laugh together. You can see what you have in common and all that kind of stuff. I think that's really missing from people who do just like purely online stuff. I don't think you'd have a free warehouse space if you hadn't built a relationship. No. Not at all. And I come from a recruiting background, um, many years in New York being a recruiter. So I do preach relationship building very, very heavily, even though um, you can email people and talk to them and text them. And, and I do that too. I think when you go into a booth and actually get a connection with somebody, when you shake their hand and you talk about their life and their kids and and where they are and their dogs and where they've gone on vacation as well as business stuff you're making that special connection and that's the best kind of vendor for me that works the best for me i think that um all of my vendors i have are relatively small and 90 percent of them i have a special kind of relationship where where we can do we do a give and take thing very much yeah I'm thinking of one that I I ordered her products at um, the very first trade show she ever went to she developed a line of products um, and they were very cool and they started selling really well right away so I kept reordering, kept reordering, and I saw her again at the next trade show. And then it built up where we'd chat, you know, on Facebook in between stuff or email pictures and and all that. And um, at this last trade show, which is probably the sixth or seventh show that I'd seen her at, it was in her hometown of Houston. And um, she took us out for dinner, which was really nice. We went to a really nice restaurant in Houston. Um, and just just hit it off really really well so fast forward that that um i had known for a couple of years that there was this person going around this particular trade show that happens every year saying to people that they shouldn't sell to me me specifically because i sell through fba and there's no customer service from me if i sell fba and 
the, I, and I got the same story from a couple booths. They didn't say anything. They just said, we've heard there's no customer service. Or they flat out say, we won't sell to you if you sell FBA. Or they call it selling prime, which is kind of funny. That's what they call it. They would say, if you, if you ship it yourself, we'll sell to you, but not if you ship it prime is what they'd say. Like, yeah, okay. Well, having built this relationship with Angela, this person came to Angela and tried the same thing for her. Now, I already know that I'm Angela's biggest supplier by a long shot, but this person came around and said, you need to stop selling to Charlene. She sells on Prime and blah, 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 blah. Well, fortunately, Amazon told me who this person was. She was not unwilling to spill the beans on who it was. Funnily enough, they're just launched on Amazon, and they're selling FBA. How's that? Hmm. Yeah, so they got the accounts, and now they're going to flip. But anyway, the whole thing is the relationship building. I was able to find out who this person was, and the next time I'll get it, I can say, hmm, was it so-and-so from so-and-so who told you this? And that will stop people in their tracks, you know, that, uh, that, they, um, that they will – people will stoop that low. But now I know who it is. I can fight better. So, um, so we have someone in chat saying, trade show scares me. I'm very much an introvert, and I feel like I would look like a deer caught in headlights. What do you say to that, Ellie? You don't catch any fish if you don't throw your hook in the water. I mean, we all have to start somewhere. I would start with a – I don't know where you are, um, but I would start with a small show, not like a big show. Um, we all felt like deer in the headlights in the beginning. Uh, I remember my first show very clearly. It was Philadelphia Gift Show. I was absolutely thought – I thought I was out of my depth. And uh, just like Jen said, I went – I actually had somebody walk around with me who was an experienced seller. They were wonderful. They spent like half a day walking just – with me, I placed an order there, and I'm, I'm, and I still sell that product, and I think I'm their number two seller on Amazon. Although they said they are slowing down, so I might soon be their number one seller on Amazon. And then you kind of grow, you know, you you find your own style. I don't have a very pushy style. Everybody has a different way they they do things. I like the soft approach where you go into the booth, you just look at um, what they're selling, maybe you strike up a conversation with the vendor, and I'll take some information. I do take photos and write notes, and then I'll come back the next day to place the order. I very rarely place the order right there. Um, I like to think about it. I like to do that. And, you know, initial orders don't have to be huge. There could be a $100 minimum. I mean, a lot of small – especially at a show, their specials might be, oh, we're waiving the minimum this time, or it's only $100, or we have free shipping. You know, you don't have to start big. You could start with 12 items. I like the number 12 because I know that I can ship 12 items to um, one warehouse because ABE, if I – ship 12 if i have the number 12 i can ship it straight there so it's only one box for me but that's how you you know you grow and i i don't know how new some of these people are jennifer simmers and i go to a lot of trade shows together um we walk around alone and together we bounce ideas off each other uh you learn you know how to talk to people you learn different ways of viewing stuff um, being an introvert makes it hard, but, you know, that once you have one success, it's going to make you feel better. Totally agree with it. You have to do it. I, I don't think you will move forward. You, meaning a generic person in this business, will move forward in the current climate without going to some sort of show to build those relationships. I, I just don't think you can do it. You can do okay. But And if doing just okay is good enough for you, then that's fine. But if you really, really want to grow, maybe, you know, you want to buy a house or you want to put your kids through school and be able to build the business to where you could do those kind of things, um, 
then I do think you really want to know. So I've got a couple questions. Um, um, interestingly okay, I'm enough, looking at some of them. Yeah, like, like uh, Beth, uh, Beth said that she's an introvert too. You guys don't realize I'm an introvert too. I would much rather sit alone in my room and do my thing, but you, do, you, you develop a persona or a style um, on how you're going to handle the shows, and you also will learn just by doing it how to pace that style or to meld that style to fit the vendor and how they, they are talking to you too. You know, kind of chameleon-like. Um, because I have some vendors that are hugely outgoing and, you know, um, laugh and joke and all that, and that some are really quiet and deadly serious, you know, and they won't take my jokes and stuff. So you have to find that balance, but you will only do get better by actually doing it. So did you I, see some of the questions um, you want to answer? I'm looking at some of the questions. I have not found that many sellers, uh, many vendors say to me, they won't sell to me because I'm a brick and mortar. I do say, come right out and say, I sell online, right there. Um, put it out there. If they start talking to me, if they ask me what I do, I generally come right out there. You want them to know you're on Amazon. You don't want to hide it because all sorts of other things will come up in the future if you do that. Um, I do have people who say a lot of times, oh, I already have people who sell on Amazon, especially small people. I, we sell ourselves. But I still find stuff, and I have never run into someone saying to me they won't sell to me because I'm brick and mortar, and that might be just because of the kind of stuff I sell. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, then you I move think on. That, then I, you say, wow, you have beautiful product. Um, I wish you well. Sometimes if they are, seem unhappy with the Amazon seller they have, I'll be like, here's my card. Let's stay in touch. Uh, I have had people approach me later, like a year later, and say, oh, I kept your card. You just don't know. You're building a foundation. You know, that's I really totally, what you have to think about. Totally agree. And I've run into the you don't have a brick and mortar. Um, I, I do think it's, a lot of it's dependent on what you sell. And I've run into it. But I also have enough, not enough, I have a lot of stuff to sell. There's never enough, but I have a lot of stuff to sell out there. And it's a case of you just, like, like, as Ellie said, you know, give them a card, say, you know, if things change, please let me know. You got great products. I love them, et cetera, you know. Um, you just have to get, put yourself out there. Um, Felicia said at Trades Years, you deal with a lot of sales folks who are extroverts, and they'll talk to you. Very, very true. Um, they aren't, in most cases, they aren't going to put the, the, the person who won't say a word on their, their show floor um, I have a friend who used to say, you know, his wife would tell me that he would, um, he was so outgoing, he would talk to a tree. Um, and he was a rabbi, so that was like a kind of a good job for him, you know, to be really outgoing and all of that, but he would talk to a tree. So in Guest 9, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are, but, but Guest 9 says sometimes his show they will do cash and yep. care and you can buy just mm -hmm. a few items. Yep, yep. Even the tree yes, shows that's... I go to in crafting. Yep. Me too. In fact, uh... I think that the last day um, can be wonderful if you can go to it. I mean, uh, New York now is next weekend. Jen Simmers is, and I is coming to stay with me. We're going to hit New York now. We've done it a couple times together. We have found the last day is a great time to buy product, if, you know, even if you just want to keep it to use for photos in the future. Um, so you don't have to wait. If you've ordered that product, they might sell it to you. So you should. Here's the tip that I had never thought of: always have extra cash, especially on the last day, because you never know about yep. the cash and carry. Yeah, you know, I always now. And I, the thing about you carry, said about do, that. do two the photographs while you're waiting for the product. I've had vendors give me one to photograph while my order's coming on the last day of the show. They said, "Well, we'll just wait to come back at the last day, and when we're packing up, we'll give it to you." Which is really nice. I, I know somebody in our group that has um, had her vendor sell her the entire booth. Yeah. Because they don't want to pack yes. it up. So yep. that's something because they live in the live where the trade show is. That would be hard for me because I come in on train. But yep. you know, if you could drive to it, that's another great thing. I bought some things at the Philadelphia gift show um, because I I always dr you drive there. 
So there, there are lots of different options. Nobody should, it's frightening in the beginning, but you can, you know, buy something and start small. I mean, I did retail arbitrage for a very long time. It was hard for me to switch gears. I jumped from one to the other, which I'm not gonna say I would recommend. I would move more slowly into it if I had to go back and do it again. But I really hated shoes so, so much. And, uh, and I ended up selling all my leftover stock on Poshmark. So now, you know, I have some, in my head, I don't like to compete against anyone else. I only have one or two vendors I actually compete with. And that those one or two vendors, now we're creating our own product. In fact, I was invited, one of them invited me to come visit them in the summer. They're in um, Canada. Come and spend a couple days uh, at their manufacturing area. They said they have tons of stuff that they don't sell in their present catalog. They'd make a good deal with me. You know, with me, they've create, we created uh, five, six of our own products this past year in 2018. Two have been great sellers. The other four, so-so. So I won't do it again and, and live and learn, you know. But you want to think out of the box and nothing, you know, and you can start small. Yeah, I started with a new distributor from the last trade show I was at. And they had a $300 opening order, but that shipping is free. And then their subsequent orders are $150. And a lot of the stuff is Amazon sells because they're a distributor of lots of small brands. But a lot of it I was able to bundle. And um, instead of selling one, one of something, it's a consumable item in the craft field, I put together two packs and three packs. And they're doing really, really well. So... For the most part, I don't think Amazon is going to do those kind of multi-packs if they're not, you know, uh, being done so easily and, you know, putting a, another item that's related with it. And that's not something Amazon's going to do. And I don't know, this is something that I don't know, and I, I wish I could talk to Amazon. Is like, I know Ellie has a lot of vendors that she's built up relationships with, and say they make a certain kind of kitchen towel, and I have no idea if you sell kitchen towels, Ellie, but no, you, want a different, you want a different pattern on your kitchen towels, and you want to be the only one. So Ellie talks to them, and they will make that kitchen towel just for her. Um, mm -hmm. That's the kind of thing where we need to be thinking. If you like the basic product, and even if that basic one is on Amazon already, and they will make new stuff for you, that's like what they do, and you can be the only seller of it, that's where you can really do things that Amazon can't do. I do not know that Amazon goes to vendors and asks them to create products like that, especially small vendors. You know, they might go to Tide and have them make an Amazon laundry detergent, but they're not going to go to these small mom-and-pop vendors and ask for that kind of thing, and that's the cracks we need to fill. I'm, I'm not sure. I have, I've heard a lot more small vendors tell me how Amazon has approached them. I know that Amazon is definitely out there. I'm not sure if they've asked them to make their own yeah, product. Right. But that is something that I do quite frequently now. I am not afraid to ask one of my vendors to make me something. Or can they make me something? I, that's just the direction I'm going with my own brand. Um, well, and so, and by the same token, the same, you know, when you make these relationships with the vendor, I had a vendor who at the New York Now in the summer said to me, well, here's some new, he brought it just for me. Here's some new products that are coming, going to come out in the 2019 catalog, but I'm going to let you buy them now so you can sell them first in Q4 before anyone else. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I have a current vendor that I got in a new niche who told me he owns, he's, he's the owner of the company, um, that Amazon has approached him, but he didn't know what to do and he just felt it wasn't right. And thank God he listened to his gut, you know. So I'm the only seller of these products. I don't think that is by design. It's just that nobody else has found them yet. And I sell couple thousand dollars a week of these things now. It's like I'm reordering every four or five days because I meet the free shipping minimum and just keep this stuff rolling. So um, you'll find, here's one thing I learned at this last trade show, 
is sometimes what you think is a big name in your particular niche. Let's say it's the kitchen towel niche, and there's a particular brand of kitchen towels that is like the name. You may think this is like this big giant company just because their name, they're the name in the, in the niche. Sometimes it's still a mom and pop and son and daughter-in-law kind of business, you know, still a small family-owned business. There is a thread manufacturer in the U.S. of sewing thread who is the name in the business. I met him at the trade show. It's the husband, the wife, the son, the daughter-in-law, and the grandkids, and then a few people in the warehouse. And that's it. And they're the big name in it. So knowing that, you, you were open to a lot more opportunities because I wasn't, then I was not scared to ask them to do these special color things for me, and they're going to do them. Um, so don't think that just because the name is big that it's a big company. And don't think that they won't do something for you or you can't make it into, you know, a bundle or some other thing. Uh, you know, I don't tend to work with big companies, but sometimes if you work with someone who's a rep and they are a rep for several companies, they might learn what, you know, works best for you and in the ins and outs of your company and keep their eye open for them also. That's like a different way to go. Um, I, I feel like, you know, New York now is a big show, and they've added the stationary show to it this year, which is a separate, used to be, as last year was a total separate show. So in four days, you're trying to put a lot of time and effort in and see everything all at once. There are, I mean, if you look around, I'm sure there's smaller shows relatively near you. Um, like I said, Philadelphia to me is a smaller show very easily done in one day come back the next day and place your order in fact sometimes i go that i go there not so much to find new product although i do but to talk to vendors i already have um because at new york because in philadelphia i they have bigger booths and they have more time to talk to me at new york now it's crazy it's smushed it's hordes of people you know you you oh. want to think about uh -huh. where you are I mean, there's shows in Ohio, Philadelphia, Baltimore, um, Tennessee. Phoenix is now becoming a lot of shows in Phoenix and, of course, Vegas, Seattle, um, Denver. There's lots of shows out there. Um, I have a couple interesting comments in the chat that I don't want to let roll away. Greg says he's found that most distributors will have a list of companies that allow them to sell to Amazon sellers. So, you know, if you're working with a distributor, be sure to ask. And John, I love this one, he had his first experience recently when a supplier sounded relieved that he sold online and not brick and mortars because brick and mortars are having a hard time now. That's, that's a good one. And Bess is um, kind of the same thing. One of her vendors called because the brick and mortars aren't selling as much while her sales are going up. He wanted to see what he could do to help her sell even more. Yay, smart man. Um, and now I know guest nine is Thalia who is probably freezing in Maine too. Um, and Felicia wants to go to New York now, but's intimidated. Felicia did the, the uh, pet show in Atlanta. And I remember Felicia was terrified to go to her very first show. And after she got there, she sent a picture of her with a dog in a booth with this giant smile on her face. Cause you know, it was a golden retriever. How can you not be happy when there are golden retrievers in a booth? So um, Felicia, I say go. You survived Atlanta. She's in the metro D.C. area or the greater DC, Washington, D.C. area. Right. Well, there's, there's, um, there's a, the Philadelphia Gift Show is right in, um, near King of Prussia in Oaks. That's a nice small one. Um, Ocean City, Maryland has a show that I believe it's in November, but it's a souvenir show, but that's a smaller one. I know Baltimore has some if you go south. I believe there's some in Virginia, Richmond. You know, I find there are lots of small shows that people just aren't, um, you know, that aren't as much aware of and they should be open. So I, yeah. I find New York now is not, New York now is not, I've never been to ASD. So I can't, I've no real, uh, Shelly, I don't know what to say if it's like ASD, but I don't think it is because it's not a lot of 
of Chinese knockoffs or there's not, you know, this is more vendors. It's a, it's a broad range. New York now is home goods. It can be fashion. It can be jewelry. It could be, um, you know, handcrafts. Now it also is the stationary show, and I believe something, some other kind of product show where they have like images and patterns that you can buy. Yeah, so I they think can, it's more food. Upscale they, it's it's very it's very rounded, very rounded. Yeah, I think it's a more upscale show than ASD. Um, it doesn't have like a whole hall of liquidation stuff, you know. I don't believe not so, at all. Uh, yeah. Um, Shelly Singh in China and other countries now have their own area at ASD. I, I do think having – Ellie sent me the thing from New York now, the list, um, last year so I could look at it. It seems a bit more upscale to me, but that's just my, my perception on it um, as to what it is. But in the end, you, got, you, you just have to do it, and the more you do it, you'll get better at it. it that's all I can mm-hmm. say. Um, I agree. Um, so Felicia's um, asking, Felicia, I don't have a list of the lesser-known shows. I find shows by Googling. I go to Trade Show News Network, which is tsnn.com, or just, um, just Google trade shows with one word of something you're looking for, like trade shows jewelry, trade shows kitchen towels. Um, and that's how I find them. So all I would be doing was recreating what you were looking for because literally there are – probably thousands in the U.S. I am, you know. Yeah. I I was going to say, I also, I've had vendors. I just had a vendor at the Philadelphia Gift Show recommend a show to me. You know, I've had that happen. And, but if there's a place where I'm kind of aware there's a trade show, I will look at their list. Like at the Javits, I'll run, I'll look and see what trade shows are through the whole year or at Oaks or, you know, in a lot of other places that have smaller ones, I know there's a trade, there's like a trade show in Maine, you know, that kind of thing. There's different ways to, to look and, and you'll come up with some different ideas. Be, you yeah, know, and be open and pursue it. That's right. As Joe said, tr- put trade show and where you want to go in Google. Um, I do that. Here's another thing I do is, a lot of my vendors will have a page about where they're going to be next, and I'll look at all the shows they're going to go to. Um, I've got one jewelry vendor that must go to a show every two weeks, um, some big, some small, and you can you know, look at those kind of lists. Um, you can also um, look at where other people other, – if you have vendors in a niche, look where they're going, and then you can find other vendors and kind of trade along. It's a big um, – Rabbit trail, I love this part of it. I think this is the most fun part of it. Um, I spent probably an hour last night doing this exact thing um, and looking for shows that you could piggyback on each other if you have to travel um, because, you know, the convention centers never really stay in, empty when one show's moving out, another one's moving in. Um, so look at that kind of thing where maybe you can get two shows in one trip, you know, with a day or two break in between to recover and all of that. And if it's in Vegas, all the better, you know, kind of thing where you, you have to figure it out. But to me, it's a fun part of finding, finding the shows and finding the vendors. So, um, I hope everyone will have a goal for this year to go to at least one show. And that doesn't have to be a huge one. As Ellie said, you can find great stuff at small shows, but I really, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire to get to one show. Um, good question, Beth asked. Maybe, Ellie, you can answer this. Uh, she only goes to wholesale shows, as do I, because I have to tra- fly to any of them. Um, does anyone go to the open to the public shows, kind of the, where they're actually retail shows, but some of the vendors might sell wholesale? Has anybody in the group done that? I've gone to the craft shows. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a retail show. I love those. Yep. I go to the craft places and, um, you know, there's Etsy, Etsy Wholesale. New York, Lincoln Center has a huge, you know, in the summer they do like big craft shows near me, like Morristown and Edison. And there's um, there's craft shows there. I'll do those. And it just you just don't know what kind of quality you're going to find. 
Um, also, like it's in New Jersey, Secaucus, there's a kosher show that I believe you have to pay for. I kind of turned my nose up at having to pay for a show. But, you know, there are all sorts of different kinds of things. I think in Brooklyn, there's a coffee show. Like there are so many different uh-huh. uh, kinds of opportunities out there that uh, I think you need to think about what you want to sell. I mean, I love what I sell for the most part. I love my products. I love my vendors, and it makes me happy. Most of the, the things that I sell, I sell only one item made in China. Um, so you think about think about what you're good at. Think about what your niche is. Are you good at toys, cooking? You know, we know Charlene's is in the craft thing. I I tend to deal with small vendors. I do a lot, you know, a lot of that kind of thing. Everybody has different things they're good at. And the more you get to know your product, the more you're going to be able to make judgment calls about new products and think of new products and see different trends. And, and then if you want to move into having some of those things made for yourself. Somebody asked me about cost, about making your own brand somewhere up in the thread. Um, I la- And it didn't sell that well, but I did – meet a new vendor in Philadelphia in July and she made a product for me. I spent less than a hundred bucks. I bought 12 of them. It was just a test run, you know, so That's it depends good, on the vendor. experiment. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I, ha- I sold them all. I broke even. They didn't sell that great. I have one left actually. I sold 11 of them. Uh, you know, it didn't work out. I wouldn't have known if I hadn't tried. That's right. Um, I, I know my niche really well, um, and and I want to reinforce what we're talking about in a niche. Um, I kind of equate it to if you if everything you sold uh, was put in a retail brick and mortar store, would it look like it would hang together? You know, would it kind of make sense in some way? Yeah, my stuff's all craft, so that it makes sense. Ellie sells a huge variety of different things, but they all have something in common. Um, and in that case, it's kind of handmade, that high-touch kind of product, you know, that people talk about. Um, so it would all hang together in kind of a, a good, um, I don't want to say a fair trade store because it's not all fair trade, but it's that kind of product, I think. That's how I view Ellie's. You have to know what you want to sell unless you want to just be constantly chasing the latest hot thing forever, you know, like, like we did in retail arbitrage and online arbitrage. And that's really painful, and it's not fun. At least this part, this is fun. You know, it's a lot of work, but it's still fun. Because my favorite part is finding the products, by far. And I think the more you do it, you will be less stressed about feeling, oh, I've got to get something at this show. I've got to get something at this show. And that kind of stress means you might overlook that little thing in the booth that's a, a, a nondescript booth, but the product's actually fabulous. Yes. So I want so, yeah yeah I, 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 you know we I, I think that uh, that's also something don't be put off by a booth that isn't beautifully created and stuff you're looking at the product you're not looking at the booth um, I have vendors that have hideous booths in fact my first vendor who I still sell a ton of her stuff I her her booth is so so but that's fine for me because the product is great. You know, they're putting their money, they're putting their ingenuity into the product. They're not putting it in as much into the booth, and that's fine with me. Um, you know, and then there's, uh, as, an, as a side thing, you make relationships with these vendors, and sometimes stuff happens. For instance, um, New York Now has VIP. This is the first, year, first show they're trying a VIP status. And... Um, a vendor reached out and offered that. Well, you know, VIP status includes um, having a private place to rest, coffee and tea, free coat and bag check, and a $10 lunch voucher. Nice. You know, per, per day. So, you know, you make relationships with your vendors. You, you get you, their little perks because they're trying, they want you to be happy. You want them to be happy. And so it's a give and take. Yeah, and I and also one thing to be aware of is many shows will allow vendors to bring you onto the show floor before the show opens. 
you like meet them at the um, at the entrance. And then, you know, they put your names on a list and then you can get in before the show even opens. And I do that if at all possible when I want to sit down and talk for a long time because it's like quiet and peaceful and they're not distracted by anybody. So most shows won't advertise that you can do that, but I've never been to a show that didn't allow that. Um, New York now doesn't allow that. Oh, they don't. I know okay. they don't. They okay. try to do that. I try to do that. One of my vendors tried to do that. They like turned them. They gave us such a hard time. Ah, okay. Well, ask. You know, the worst they can say is no kind of thing, right? (laughs) Right. So I'm going to read something that's in the chat um, that John Wayne has posted. He said, when you start wholesale FBA, it's easy to feel that you won't find many suppliers to work with, so you compromise on margins or quality or the service of the supplier. It's that kind of fear. I'm never going to find anything to sell, so I'll have to take this. This is the best that I can do. And then he said, when you're more established, it's less stressful to go to shows and talk to new suppliers because you know you have plenty of good suppliers and great products. Amen. And you're not desperate. I think that's so true. I was guilty of it where I would put up with, you know, crummy service and stuff where every every shipment had damage issues and all that because I didn't feel like I'd get more. But then you realize, oh, yeah, I can. Because, one, you've built up a track record of sales, which really helps. Um, two, people want, people want, I think vendors now, a lot of them know that whether they like it or not, they have to be on Amazon and they want to be, hooked in with somebody who knows Amazon, has a history of Amazon, and will protect, and I'm using the air quotes here, protect their product on Amazon. You know, make sure the listing's nice and all that kind of thing. I think, I think vendors are kind of waking up to that. Um, Greg says, totally agree with John Wayne, been there, done that. I think we all have at some point. You know, and you just got to check yourself and say, do I really want this product and does this work for me or am I feeling that desperation? So, um, so just be aware as you go to a show. Um, I have one more thing I want to jump in on, Ellie, and I want to ask if you do this. I find a lot of suppliers from emails I get from brick-and-mortar stores in my niche. I found two new suppliers yesterday from the same email from a brick-and-mortar store. I've done that a little bit, but I find I just don't have time to read these newsletters. I know you've said this to me before. If I could keep up with it, I imagine I would. I have looked into sellers based on newsletters, uh, but I, I think it's one of those things you need to have enough time to do, it. and I've just always time crunched. Uh, yes. Uh, two uh, teen, to the two point teenagers. Where, three dogs I wonder why yeah well I you know I've, I've outsourced most of my prep now and that has given that is like the biggest biggest amount off my plate I in fact my vendors now are shipping to my prep person automatically uh, and even when I don't realize it so it, that's just worked out so so well for me and I think you said your prep person is like the most picky person in the world in doing her job. She does it so well. That, yes. That, well, it's uh, two of them, mother, daughter. I think they're one, the daughter's in her 60s and the mom's in her 80s. And the mom is an amazing quality control person. Amazing. You need to clone so, her. I totally lucked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you need to clone her and, uh, and uh, see what else, they, you know, we can send one to each person. Um, around Johnson, he likes visiting brick and mortar stores and seeing ranges of his products on display, and or seeing new brands in the same niche that he wasn't aware of. Um, I, I do that. I'll go to. I, I do that. I'll go. I find more at brick and mortar stores. I'll like peruse brick and mortar stores, and I'll be like, oh, I went to this trade show and I saw this, and oh, they ordered that. I wonder how it's selling. And oh my goodness, look at the price they have for that item. Wow. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I don't have any brick and mortar stores, so that's why I don't do it. You know, I got the grocery store and and the uh, you know the fishing supply. I've got like nine fly tying stores, but I looked at that niche. The margins aren't there on eBay or on Amazon, so um, so that's 
kind of what I've done. Um, that's why I do the, the newsletters from brick and mortar stores. I have not been as successful with newsletters from online stores, like knitting stores online. You know, the brick and mortar ones seem to do better for me. It, you know, it's, if you have time, it's worth it, you know. So, um, and Michelle says she takes pictures in the store too. Oh, Ellie fessed up. She does. I bet John does too. He just won't admit it, but, but there you go. Um, so uh, one other thing I want to I want to talk about is um, the whole analysis analysis paralysis, and I posted that question in the group. Um, I tend to be uh, I'm leaning toward the impulsive side of middle of the road, and not a lot not a lot money wise, but you know. I'm willing to take a leap on the small ones, like the $100 one Ellie took the leap on. Um, I tend to be willing to do that. Um, I am not um, impulsive in reordering too much and all that kind of thing. I learned my lesson that, and I am very controlled about that. But I found it interesting that there were a ton of people in the group who says that's an issue. And um, Ellie, are you in kind of, do you do overanalyze, or are you gotten over that too? This is how it kind of goes. If I see a product, um, and I, I'm going to give kudos to Jen on this because she's the one who really pushed me hard on this. If I don't order the product at the show, it's not so much paralysis as it gets put on the back burner. So now. I kind of go with my gut and I'll order a minimum number, which for me is usually 12, uh, especially if it's a lower dollar amount. I'll be like, okay, I'm just going to do this. So that's how I really, I've gotten over that. Yes, you make mistakes, but if you don't order it, you're never going to know. I don't, I, I will analyze stuff. I will usually, like I said, I don't place the order right there. I like to come back and look at the numbers, see if there's similar things. Because sometimes, I mean, this has happened more than once, you find out that the brand is selling their own product and they just didn't tell you, even though they know you sell on Amazon, they, whoops, just forgot to mention that they sell their own product and you're never going to be able to compete with a small right. brand. Because they just totally mark agree. their stuff. And I, I find they mark their stuff so ridiculously low that you wonder how they're making any money, except for maybe Q4 where I've had, where I bought products because I've looked at the history and I know they're going to run out. So, hey, if they want to sell it at $11 and run out December 1st, I'm happy to sell it at 25 for the next 20 days. You know, uh -huh. so, hey, that's fine. But th that's how I got over the paralysis part. I look and see if that product's there. Um, I look and see how it moves. I use Jungle Scout a lot. And um, and then I will just jump in, especially if it's a low minimum, by 12. Try it out, you know, and and go from there. And then you can grow. You know, three years ago, one of my biggest selling product genre now is a product I started out with small three years ago and I ordered like 12 and then I ran out so fast. Then I ordered 25 and I ran out so fast. Then I ordered 50, you know, in the, like I kept increasing it. So every time. And so the next year I ordered like even like a thousand and I ran, and I, remember I ran that. out. Yeah, I remember you know, that. So this year, I was in this area like hugely and to the point where I actually found I competed against myself, which was not something I thought about, but I became, I was like the biggest seller of this type of item and I ended up competing against myself. So I actually sent in too many of some of them, but I can sell them again next year. So it was a learning curve and I didn't lose money. So, you know, start small and look it up and, and, and bring it, and if it's not there, but there's similar products, bring it to the market. It's easy with the um, Amazon app to take a photo, you know, write a listing, yep. don't, you know, get, get an exemption if, if how, whatever. There's so many easier ways to do it now, I think, than when, than it was like four years ago. It's much easier to take photos, write listings, you know. Yes, Just jump in and do it. I agree. I, I don't use any tools. 
Um, I'm the, that aberration in the market. I do look things up on, to see if they are on Amazon. And the big one, if Amazon's selling it or if the manufacturer themselves are selling it. Those are the two big red flags for me. That it's like, mm, no, I don't think so. Um, we will never able to be, be able to compete with Amazon. So that's a fact of life. And I, I have taken a gamble when the manufacturer is selling Merchant Fulfilled, and I'll test small amounts and see if they jump on the FBA side. A lot of manufacturers won't, and then I'm okay with it. That one kind of is, is a little gray area for me. But I, I quickly, as I'm going through a catalog, I'll look at sales rank and um, see where it is because a lot of my products have size variations, infinite size variations. Um, I don't know if people know that like one brand of knitting needle can have 500 variations, but they can. Um, so maybe one size doesn't sell that well, but another one sells gangbusters. So you just you know keep the one in stock with one or two, and the other you have the hundreds of. So, um, so that's how kind of what I do. I know a lot of people, John uses a lot of tools because he is incredibly analytical. Um, but he's not let it stop him from moving forward with new products too. So there's that point where you don't want to be so analytical with all these tools that you don't actually order something and get started. And we're not talking a, a container from China. We're talking, as Ellie said, 12. In my case, maybe $100 worth to see. So um, that's where I want to leave the sourcing part for now. I have one thing I want to mention, because um, I think she's still in the group. Um, is, is Jen still here? Because Jen, influenced my husband hugely, even though she doesn't know it. Um, I made him listen to her podcast where she talked about her manual of operating procedures and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, he spent a fair part of the weekend and a fair part of yesterday evening writing operating procedures. Unbelievable that this man did this, but he's at the point where he uses a prep service for the majority of his stuff, and each vendor is different. So he made a operating procedure for each vendor going to the prep service with the checklists and the date boxes and all this kind of stuff. So thank you, Jen, for doing that because it means he can be way more um, uh, in control of it. And he, he likes to try to remember everything, but we know that doesn't work. So he has it in Excel, um, and he is, is – um, sent them to the vendor so they can see how the procedure actually goes and all that. So that was like, I'm so glad he started doing that. That means I need to do it in some of my stuff. I really, really do. Because if I get hit by a bus, somebody needs to know how I do things. So um, I would say start now um, with writing stuff down and you can build on it. So Jen, thanks for that. That was um, Great. Oh, and Felicia says she started the vendor binder for 2019. It's a game changer. So I will, I'll find what podcast that was, and I will put the link in the group so everybody can listen to that one because it was great. So, Ellie, do you have any closing yeah, thoughts? You know, I, I, I think that everybody has to realize that we all put our pants on one leg at a time, and we all started small, and everyone was a newbie at some point. And that's, you know, don't be intimidated by big sellers or people who seem, you know, so, uh, so together or successful or whatever. You don't know. You, you are going to find your niche and then you're going to expand from there. And, and that's what you need to do. But if you don't try, you're never going to grow. I mean, I find my products all over. I'm very open um, very open, and then I grow with my vendors. My vendors have definitely grown with me and been influenced by me as well. So don't sell yourself short. And I will say for organization, Jen has also made me much more organized because <laughs> I have my vendor finders now too. This will be my third year using it. It makes it so easy to find your invoices. I used it today to look up something without having to hunt around for it. Everything is by date and uh, vendor alphabetically. And she has also dragged me into um, being more organized with, with 
how things get prepped and things like that. So that's something to be said to make your life easier, not harder. That's awesome. Well, we'll close on that note. I want to thank everybody for joining us. And Ellie, thanks so much. I know an hour out of your time is a huge deal, and I really appreciate it. So I'm Anytime. going to close now. I will find um, I will find Jen's podcast so you can listen to it and, and get inspired to get all this organization done. And we will see you in the group in about three minutes. I'll be there. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.